Welcome to the Sage Thought Leadership Podcast, building experiences that connect, remove friction, and deliver insights. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. I'm Ed Kless here live at AICP Engage 2022, and we are so happy to be three-dimensional again. I am here today with the Managing Director of Whitman Transition Advisors, Bill Carlino. Welcome to the Sage Thought Leadership Podcast. Thanks, Ed. Thanks for having me. So, Bill, why do you do what you do? Well, it's it's like anything else. There's a big need for it. Succession planning is something that uh, should be addressed the first day a CPA firm opens for business, but rarely is it ever done that way. So what usually happens is they procrastinate like, you know, like anything else, like going to the doctor, you know, and by the time they realize that they don't have anybody on their quote-unquote bench to take over the leadership reins when they want to slow down, they're, they're forced into uh, uh, or they're prompted into, into merging for, for succession, uh, depending how many years they want to stay on, uh, or... Uh, Closing, closing up for good. Yeah, you know, uh, someone, someone for, who shall remain nameless, by the way, from the ASCPA once talked about this during a session here at this conference a couple of years ago, where he said he would get calls two or three times a month from widows, and the first of CPAs that had passed on, wanting to know what they should do with regard to the sale of the business, and his question to them was, has the funeral taken place yet? And his rationale was is if that funeral had taken place and people know about it, the business is already gone. Mm-hmm. So why do why I mean is it just a fear of mortality? Why why do people that CPAs who probably advise people almost every day to take care of their financial house the right way, why do they have this problem with the the cobbler not having the shoes for the children? Yeah. I, you know, it's been my experience, Ed, and I've been doing this for almost 15 years. That CPAs are among the most suspect business people that you will ever encounter. In fact, uh, I'll tell you a a true story, a case study. I was working with a CPA in Michigan. Uh, He was a sole practitioner, about a million dollars, and we had gotten all the metrics from his firm to send out to prospective successors, and he calls me and he says, guess what? My landlord just offered me a great deal. I signed another five-year lease. And I said to him, I said, seriously? I said, you know what you've just done? You've alienated 90% of the firms who may want to acquire you because, A, they either have to sublet your space, okay, uh, or they have to they have to pay the lease on it. So he goes, yeah, but I got a great deal. I said, but you just, like I said, you've just eliminated a major portion of people who may want to take you in. So that, unfortunately, that is not that uncommon a scenario. Maybe not lease extension, but, you know, procrastinating. And, you know, one of the questions uh, I most frequently get is, what is the ideal timeline? And I I say usually it's five to seven years before you want to slow down from full time. I never use the R word, retirement, because that scares a lot of people. So I say, how many more tax seasons do you want to work full time? Because my, my, my standard answer uh, is five to seven years. And they say, well, that sounds like a long time. And I said, well, think about it. I said, you know, pre, you know, pre-pandemic, how many times were your clients actually in your office across the desk from you? You, for most firms, it was one time a year. Tax time. They drop off their organizers. You, you have a discussion with them, then they'd leave. So if you only see the majority of your clients one time a year, 
when you think about a five to seven year timeline, that's only five client visits. So you've got two to sort of prepare them for the transition, and then three for that all-important handoff to the new uh, hierarchy and the new management. So your clients have to become accustomed. People choose, and a lot of people uh, laugh when I tell them this, people choose accountants uh, in many of the ways they choose dentists because they feel comfortable with them. Uh, On a personal level, I don't work in New York City anymore. I commuted for almost 30 years, but my dentist is still there. I'm comfortable with him. I like the guy. But if I suddenly walk in one day and there's a new guy sitting in his chair and my dentist sold his practice, I don't know this gentleman's or woman's skill level. I'm not going to go to them. Same thing with an account, accounting firm. You're, you know, you're a long-time accountant. You walk in one day and he's not there. What are the chances you're going to still use who's ever there? So, uh, you know, the, 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 the real, it's, the real asset, obviously, to an accounting firm is the, is exhibit A, the clients. Otherwise, you just got a lot of desks and computer terminals. You used a really interesting phrase there when you said that the clients need to become accustomed. The clients need to become accustomed. And, and this is funny because I have, I have for years, you probably heard me speak occasionally where I will say customer, customer, customer instead of client. And it drives people crazy. But the reason why they need to become, a, the clients need to become accustomed is that exactly that. It needs to become their custom to engage. And this once a year thing, to me, is absolute madness. Why CPAs weren't on top of this relationship mm-hmm. and either, not even, it doesn't have to be quarterly, but let's let's check in over the summer. Right. Why, why, do, why do they space these out to only worry about tax season? Well, I think that's the uh, one of the unintended consequences of all this mm-hmm. technology. Like, you know, if, if you have clients, you may email them, you know, you may have team calls with them, Zoom calls with them, you know, may call them physically on the phone, but physically in your office one time a year, you know, and, and as far as transition, there are a lot of ways to handle that. And I'll tell you another case study that we had a practitioner out on Long Island who decided he was going to retire. And the only thing he loved more than accounting was golf. So we bought a, a house down in Florida. Um, but what he did was he had his office line uh, transferred to his house in Florida. So he gets a call from a longtime client after he had merged, and he said, um, Murray, uh, you remember that problem we had five years ago with the IRS? Well, guess what? It's back. And Murray said to him, you know, I do remember that. It was an absolute nightmare. But my new partner is an expert in this field. Let me talk to him. Two heads are better than one. So instead of Murray calling the client back with the answer, his partner calls him back, and hence the transition. Had Murray called him back, the client would have still kept calling Murray. Now he calls the, the, the new partner of the successor firm. Yeah, and it's a matter of handoff. But but to your point, though, that five to seven years could be really shortened if CPAs had a more custom or customer type relationship with, with their right. with their their person. So. Yeah, I was uh, I was uh, speaking not too long ago at a conference, and some sole practitioner stood up and he says, "I will never I will never sell my firm. I'm going to die at my desk." And I said, "You know, Jerry, that's exactly what you're going to do. You know, because." You have no either that or you're going to shut off the lights. That's yeah. you know either you, you either you merge or you shut down. That's it. Yeah, and is that what you really really want? You know, mm-hmm. you know it, it, I, I was going to say, firms that are not progressive in terms of uh, uh, transition and succession planning are going to create real estate and client opportunities for firms that are. <laughs> 
Well, Bill, we have an exit question that we ask all of our guests, and that is, who is a hero of yours, and why are they a hero? I'll tell you, without a doubt, Vince Lombardi, the legendary coach of the Packers, okay? Now, here's a, you know, a guy from modest roots who a lot of people don't realize his first coaching job was a girls basketball team in New Jersey. He started coaching girls basketball, but he built trust through his players and through a strict code of work ethic um, and built in, in nine in nine years built a dynasty and you know everybody rallied around this person he knew how to he knew how to lead and leading obviously isn't just indigenous to football or to any other sport it's 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 to an accounting firm you know it's to uh, an insurance company to anything so Vince Lombardi will always be one of my heroes all right and lastly Bill how can somebody get a hold of you uh, Whitman transition advisors uh, you can you can uh, I'm on LinkedIn I'm on Facebook um, I'm not that hard to get a hold of. Give me a call, and we'll be happy to help you if you have a succession problem. All right. Bill Carlino, Managing Director, Whitman Transition Advisors. Thanks so much for being a guest on the Sage Thought Leadership Podcast. Thanks for having me, Ed. Review and subscribe by searching your podcast player of choice for Sage Thought Leadership Podcast.